Morning. So who's ready to go back to school? <laughs> no? No? Really? What grade are you in? Senior. Senior? Yeah. You start back Wednesday, you said. You go back Saturday. When do you go, Lynn? Sunday? Just college. When do you go back down? Wednesday, you can be a freshman, Maggie. Monday? You'll be in seventh grade? Oh, what grade? Connor? Huh? Senior? Senior. Junior, junior. You excited? No. <laughs> I remember when I was in school. You, anybody take your lunch for school? You going to take your lunch to college? <laughs> you take your lunch to school? Yeah, I remember taking my lunch. We had a lunch box. And I, I don't think we had baggies back then. I think my mother put them in wax paper. Wax paper, yeah, we put them in wax paper. And we had, you know, I come from a large family. And sometimes we did, didn't have things. And one, one day I remember in the wax paper, I opened it up and it was just a big old glob of peanut butter, a big old glob of jelly. We didn't have any bread that day. So, <laughs> and so uh, I asked my friend if they wanted to trade their ham sandwich and they said no. So I just ate it. <laughs> I mean, I think I had an apple or a banana or something to go with it as well. Um, yeah, school days. Huh? Uh, yeah, I was watching my carbs that day. That's right. Uh, my mother knew best. Um, can you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without peanut, without a bread without bread? Huh? Not really, can you? It wouldn't be a sandwich, would it? No. Huh? You can put it on your apple. Actually, when I go to Bucky's, I'll get the apple and the peanut butter and dip my apple in peanut butter. Yeah, I do that. Thank goodness for Bucky's. But you know what? Um, this really does have a point. Uh, <laughs> Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And without me, you will not have life. Without me, you will not have life. Without bread, you can't have a peanut butter jelly sandwich, which is, you know, nothing compared to what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I, myself, I am the bread of life, Jesus says. And he says, if you don't have me, you don't have life. As you go to school and you, you're surrounded by your friends, and if you have friends, I hope you have friends, <laughs> uh, witness to them. I mean, you don't have to say anything necessarily, even though words work. You know, let them see some sort of... Uh, sign that you're a Christian and maybe that'll promote some sort of conversation why are you a Christian well because I believe in Jesus and I believe he is the bread of life and I, without him I don't have life I mean you don't have to say that but that's what the today's gospel is all about but that's the how serious it is because if your friends don't have Jesus if they don't have the bread of life they don't have life and if you want your friends to have Jesus, if you want to have Jesus, if you've never invited Jesus into your life, you need to invite Jesus into your life. Jesus was serious about this. I am the bread of life. Without me, you don't have life. Take Jesus to school with you, okay? He wants to go with you. Take him with you, okay? Take him to college with you. Oh, Jesus needs to be in college, I promise you. <laughs> Not because Jesus needs it, because the colleges need it these days. Take Jesus with you to school. Okay? All right. Um, thank you for coming. <laughs>
thank you for being here for me today. We didn't have that last week because we didn't have anybody now. So we'll go to college from now on, okay? <laughs> Help me up, buddy. Okay, Dick and John, it's up to you. Oh, I'm coming down here. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So how about the rest of us? Are we ready to go back to school? No? Um, I, have, I have to tell you, they may not be excited, but I am excited. And I have no idea why. No idea. I've had years when, when, when I've been excited. This is year 40 for me. Uh, I can't escape high school. Somehow I got trapped there, and this is, this is year 40. But when we finished last year, which was a really long, difficult year, somehow at the end of that year, I felt a sense of anticipation begin to build for this year. Absolutely no reason for it. As the summer went on, I discovered that my assignment was going to be harder than usual. And my enthusiasm went up. Absolutely no explanation for it at all. But I'm here today to share with you a sense of anticipation and a sense of enthusiasm. And if you don't have it, I want you to get it. And so I'm going to start today, I'm going to start today with First Kings. I'm going to start with endings and beginnings, with change. All of us have change in our lives. The ending of old things and the beginning of new things and change can be difficult. Here in this story, the person who's starting new is Solomon. And he's a young man and his father has died. An ending. Ending filled with sadness, I'm sure. Of uh, an ending filled with an overwhelming sense of responsibility for Solomon. It's a new beginning. And, and I want you to see that because Solomon loved the Lord in his anticipation of becoming king, he began to go to the high places and make sacrifices. And not just a few sacrifices. He went and made many sacrifices. He went and he prayed to the Lord. The sense of anticipation of the beginning of his responsibility as king. And God heard him. And God came to him in a dream and God said, ask what I should give you. I want you to notice a couple of things about that. Solomon starts not by asking God for something. He starts by making an observation about his father David. He remembers his father David before he thinks about himself. He thinks about his father David and he, and he 
reminds God that David was faithful, that David pursued righteousness, that David had a heart that was upright and devoted to God. And he not only made that observation in thinking about his father, but he thanked God for his steadfast love of his father David. And then he asked for wisdom. Wisdom to discern the difference between good and evil. Here he is. Here's his observation. God, you have chosen a great people. You have chosen a great people. And you have set me to rule over them. You see, the whole of the Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation... It's about God's desire for a people whose heart is wholly devoted to him. And Solomon feels the weight of the responsibility to get his people to have the same enthusiasm, the same, the same steadfastness, the same commitment that his father had. God wants a people. And so God gave him wisdom. I will tell you, I remember a beginning for me as a committed Christian back in my teenage years, I remember reading this story and it spoke to me. Solomon's desire for wisdom to serve God's people. And so like Solomon, I began to pray for that wisdom. And I began to read the book of Proverbs written by Solomon. And I read it over and over again. I, I read it for a number of years as a high school student, even into my early college years in my 20s. Over and over again, I would open the Bible and go to the book of Proverbs and seek wisdom. So I want you to think about beginnings and endings and the role that wisdom plays, the wisdom of God. And the role that it plays. How can we be God's people if we don't have the enthusiasm for God? I'm looking at the psalm. Psalm 111, which we read today. From David. I, I don't normally mention the psalm when I'm preaching. But I notice three things here in the psalm today that, that I want you to notice. Of course... The one which goes with the reading from Solomon is one that most of you already know. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But I had not noticed in reading this psalm, however many times I've read it over the course of my lifetime, I had not noticed verse 5. I'd read it. It's not the same as 
seeing it, noticing it, being touched by it. He gives food to those who fear him. He's ever mindful of his covenant. He gives food to those who fear him. See, I'm thinking about the body and blood of Christ. He gives food to those who fear him. The food for Solomon is wisdom. And Solomon is going to consume that wisdom. He's going to eat it up. It's, he is going to become the symbol of wisdom. His words recorded in the book of Proverbs are there to share wisdom with the young. And so here David, the psalmist, the father of Solomon, before Solomon has ever granted that wisdom, has prayed these words. David, whose heart was wholly devoted to God. You see there in the very first verse, hallelujah, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Because that's who David is. And that's who we're called to be. So these are words that in the New Testament times of Jesus, people would already have known. The story of Solomon, the story of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. The food that God gives to those who fear him. Wisdom. And then I turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5. Chapter 5 actually begins this way, therefore be imitators of God. Right? As beloved children walk in love as God loved us and gave himself as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Therefore be imitators of God. So I want you to hold on to that thought for a minute because that's not in today's reading. Those are the first two verses of chapter 5 as he's writing the Ephesians. But the words that he gives to the Ephesians here in our reading today is God's expression of what it means to be imitators of God. And here's how he starts. Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Wait. There it is again. You want to be an imitator of God? What is the first thing that he says to the Ephesians? He says, be wise. Here's the second thing he says, though. He gives a definition of wise. But as you're going to live as wise, making the most of the time. And I want you to think about that, because here we are at the end of a summer. Nice time of relaxation here in the American rhythm of life. 
even those who don't have children, all of a sudden our traffic patterns are going to change. Because all of those children are going back to school and all of those buses are going to be on the roads and all of the malls and shopping centers, well, nope. I guess Amazon is kind of taking care of that problem of all of the people buying the good things to start off the school year. But we have a rhythm in our life. It's a time for change. Right out here in the hallway, we have yard signs, right? Back to school, back to church. And this is a call to us, back to church. Not, not back to church as if somebody were making us go because it's part of the rhythm. No, back to church filled with enthusiasm. Right? Filled with a, as Jesus puts it in his uh, Sermon on the Mount, back to school with uh, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Blessed be those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It's time to hunger and thirst. It's time to get excited. It's time, it's time for the season to change. And we can either approach that change with a heart filled with fear of the world, or we can approach it with a heart filled with fear of God. Fear of God in a good way, right? Wanting to please God. God the Father. As a child, it's not fear that we will be punished. It's fear that we will hear those words, I'm disappointed in you. When what we really want to hear is God tell us that we've been good and faithful servants. So it's time for the enthusiasm to do that work. Here is the third thing that Paul says here in our reading from Ephesians. It says, so do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How can we understand what the will of the Lord is if we do not study his word? If we do not go to the high places and pray for God's wisdom. New beginnings. He's writing to a new church here in Ephesus. But the first new church is discussed in Acts chapter 2. There in Jerusalem after Jesus has uh, died and risen and ascended into heaven, the first church is going to assemble the 5,000 who were fed on uh, Pentecost are going to assemble daily in the temple and they're going to devote themselves to four things. You've heard me talk about those four things before. You will hear me talk about those four things again. Right? There are four things that we, the body of Christ, are called to do. We're called to be devoted to the teaching of the apostles. Devoted to the study of scripture. Devoted. That's talking about our heart. Committed. Sold out. Our whole heart. I want to know the word of God. I want to live the word of God. 
devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to the prayers, to the fellowship, the encouraging of one another, the lifting up of one another. We're here for one another. And then there's that fourth thing, the breaking of the bread. Oh, there it is again. Those who fear the Lord, God gives them food. What is this food that God gives us? I'll come back to that in just a moment. Keep that in your mind. The fourth point that Paul makes here, I want you to hear this. I think this is important. I think it's part of the timing. How do we redeem the time that God has given us? God has given us time that needs to be redeemed. And by redeemed, I mean, what are we doing to bring glory to God? And here's here's what he says. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. This is the Spirit of enthusiasm. This is the the spirit of passion. It's more than that. This is God living in our hearts. This is God at work transforming us into all we are called to be. So if we're going to understand the will of the Lord, God's got to live in us. How is God going to live in our hearts if we don't commit our hearts to him. I will tell you as I was reading this, I really, at this last point, he makes one last point. I have to read it to you as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks to God. Anybody who is stood next to me while we sing songs and hymns knows that I might be, I might be on key, or I might really not be on key. I can usually tell when I'm not on key, not because I'm a music expert, but because you either step away from me (laughs) or you start to do this. At which point in time, see, I'm going to whisper the words because I'm sensitive to your needs. You can't stay on key when you are standing next to me. I get that. But God calls us, even if we're in the first service where there is no music, God calls us to make a melody in our hearts. It's a melody in our hearts. Our hearts should be singing with joy. We should be filled with enthusiasm for the opportunity that we have to come and give thanks to God. This is what Paul says to the church, this new church in Ephesus, is is be joyful in your heart for God. And so I am thinking here as, as we get ready for the fall season, as we get ready for our new Bible studies, as we get ready for the next round of equipping the saints, as we get ready for the bishop 
to come and visit us and give us a Holy Spirit weekend, that it's time for us to start building some anticipation for the work that God is planning to do here with us. It's life-changing. When we join God at work, if you haven't joined us for equipping the saints, show up. Feel the sense of being on fire for God. You see, all of that leads us. If I didn't do this right, I haven't built any anticipation. But if I built some anticipation for you, it leads us to the gospel message for today. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they talk about the new covenant, and they talk about Jesus implementing the new covenant, the body and blood of Christ, the communion, the Eucharist. Their setting is in the upper room with the 12. And it's it's an interesting and solemn setting in which one of the 12, of course, is pointed out as being a person who's going to betray Christ. But Jesus implements this covenant that God is ever mindful of, David tells us. I am the living bread. This is the way that John, the last of the four Gospels, expresses this covenant. I am the living bread. And notice that John's setting is far different than the upper room. John sets the introduction of this covenant in the midst of the people. God wants a people whose hearts are wholly devoted to him. Jesus said, follow me, and they have. He's been followed and the crowds have gotten larger and larger and larger. He can't even think. He has to go up on the mountain to pray. He has to walk on water to get away from the crowd. And yet here he is preaching in the synagogue at Capernaum, his headquarters. And that synagogue is filled to capacity. There are people outside. This little town can't hold 5,000 people. 5,000 men plus women and children. There are crowds everywhere. And here's what Jesus says. I am the living bread. He tells them if they do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, there will be no life in them. He goes on to say, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. You want the Holy Spirit in you? You want the power of God? You want to be fired up to see God at work? You have to be willing to come to the altar. And you have to be willing to say to God, Put to death my old self. 
fill me up with you. Those who fear the Lord come and say, put me to death so that I can live forever in the kingdom of God. And when they do that, everything changes. When we take communion, And we say to God, break me, remake me, forge me into something new. David knew, Solomon knew, they all knew that God is faithful to keep his promises. And so, as we think about equipping the saints in the fall, as we think about our opportunity to be transformed, to serve him in his kingdom for his purposes, that he might be glorified. It's my prayer that you will start to feel some anticipation, that you will start to feel some excitement. God makes all things new. He will remake us individually and collectively if we go to him in prayer and ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.